All right, well, today again, as I said, we're, we're starting this new series that we're calling So What? S-O-W, what? So uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll get into that in a little while here. But uh, I've recently been, uh, been starting this, this routine, this kind of a regular thing I do several times a week where I'll hop on my bike and I'll ride down to uh, Harvard's Arboretum. And uh, it's, been, it's been kind of a cool, cool place for me as of recent. And it's this massive park owned by Harvard, and they use it for horticultural, agricultural type instruction, and just for public use and, and enjoyment. So what I've been doing is I've been hopping on my bike in West Roxbury and riding down uh, to the Arboretum, and I'll get there, and I'll lock up my bike, and I'll go for a run, or I'll, I'll pray, or I'll read a book, or read my Bible, or something like that. And, and if you haven't gone, I'm a, I'm a new big fan of, of the Arboretum. I love this place, and there's a lot to, uh, just a lot of space, a lot of acreage. And you can go and, and just kind of go out there and clear your head and kind of get out of the congestion of, of, of daily life in the city. And it's just a, a really good spot. And the Arboretum is known for its collection of, of trees from all over the world. I've been learning this. And uh, these trees, really, they, they fill the park, and, and they grow to be really tall and, and really large, many of them, because they're, they're, they're well-protected and they're well-cultivated by, by students and staff, and, and uh, I'm, I'm a bit of a thinker. And so when I, several times I've been out in the Arboretum, and I look at just some incredibly huge trees, and, and, and as a thinker, I, just, I start to think about when the seed hit the ground, when that that tree that's now massive and huge and tall and, and provides all kinds of shade and enjoyment. and People are kind of marveling at the tree. I, I can't help but think when the seed hit, hit the ground. And I understand that, that some of us are, are passionate about this kind of stuff and planting and, and agriculture and all that good stuff. And, and some of us are not. And I understand that. But just imagine with me some 125 years ago or so, I was doing my research, when the Arboretum first began and just imagine with me that that Harvard student or that professor who was who was working at the Arboretum and, and when they put that that seed into the ground when they planted that seed or maybe they planted uh, a bit of a sapling just imagine when they're doing that I'm sure they were passionate and I'm sure they were were dreaming a, about you know, what would happen with this seed, that it would grow up and it would become this amazing tree, this tree that would provide shade, this tree that would be strong, this tree that would, would have other people coming and, and marveling at it. And I know when they're dreaming about that, they're not picturing what we have today, which is somebody listening to the fray on their iPhone while twittering and standing on a Segway and marveling at the tree. They're not picturing that, but they're, they're picturing this tree growing up. But it all started, it all started when this seed hit the ground and, and it started when, when this person had a dream of, of planting this and seeing what, what would come from this seed. And, and this morning, I'm not trying to excite you about planting. I'm not trying to excite you about gardening or horticulture. I, I, I'm not trying to do that, though some of us may be. I, I'm not trying to excite you about bonsai trimming, though I would recommend you go and check out their, their bonsai tree collection. What, I, I, what I'm praying that God would excite you about this morning, what I'm praying that God would ignite you uh, over this morning is about the planting of, of a strong, healthy, life-giving church in, in this community, which starts with the planting of a seed. 
But not just one seed. It starts with the planting of, of all kinds of seeds, all kinds of seeds. And I, I know that, again, gardening is exciting to some, but it's not exciting to most. Other people are excited about or passionate about art, whether it be music, whether it be you know, painting or, or, or clay. Or the, people are excited about art. Other people are excited about sports. Some people are excited about uh, fitness. Some are, are excited and passionate about technology and on and on and on. And you may be thinking, well, Josh, you're excited about the church. That's what you do. That's what you're excited about. And what I, I want us to see starting out this morning is that I'm not calling us to another interest. I'm not calling us to another hobby, another, another pastime, another social in, engagement. I'm not calling us to just another thing. What I'm calling us to this morning is the thing. I'm calling us to the mission. And we're going to have different hobbies. We're going to have different interests and passions and pastimes. But as followers of Jesus, we will have one unifying, God-giving mission laid out in Scripture. And that's why the church should be, and hopefully we will become, a people who are diverse in so many ways. In so many ways in terms of what we, what we uh, uh, get excited about in terms of our hobbies and pastimes, diverse and in terms of where we live and, and our backgrounds, whether it be spiritually, ethnically, we're, we're going to be diverse. That's, that's the prayer. But we will have one unifying God-given mission. And that mission is laid out for us in Scripture as we looked at even just a few weeks ago where the Lord says, Go make disciples of all nations. Make followers of Jesus who have been covered by his grace. But a a disciple is not just a student. A disciple is an adherent. And so we're not just disciples in that we, yes, we believe, check, we we get that. But we also live out his God-given mission. And think back to Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. You've heard it before. If I give you a fill in the blank, Jesus says, I will build my what? I will build my church. He didn't say, I will build my converts. He didn't say, I will build my individual followers of Jesus. He says, I will build my church. I will build my church. And what we need to understand is that all throughout the Bible, I mean, it's all laid out in the Bible, God is constantly calling a people to himself. Beginning with Israel, he's calling a people to himself, not a person uh, a people. Today, he's calling a people to himself. I will build my, my church. And so, when you're out and you're scattering seeds, and the seed is the gospels we're going to continue to look at today, as you're scattering seeds, you're giving people the opportunity to exercise faith in Jesus. But it's also not just an opportunity for one person to come to know Jesus, but it's the opportunity for one person to come and to be a part, not just of Jesus, but to be a part of his church. And as the church grows... Its roots will grow, and it will give the church the ability to be stronger, to stay longer, to make a greater impact, to better serve West Boston. And that's what we're, we're praying for here. As you know, we're, we're a brand new church in this area. We're, 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 we're looking to serve this area well, but we're brand new. And so I just want you to let that sink in for a second. What it means to be a brand new church. The Bible says that the church is, is this living organism. And as a brand new living organism, as I said before, we're like a little sapling. Because we are a church, but we are still just a, a little sapling. And a, a little sapling is small. A little sapling is, is tiny. A little sapling is, is not deeply rooted. And so it's very vulnerable 
with the weather. It's, it's, it's very unstable. It needs cultivating. But the other exciting thing about a little sapling is that it has limitless potential as to what it could grow and to be. And so what we're doing is what we're calling church planting. Well, we're, we're, we're praying that God would allow us to see new life uh, take root here, that, that, that new life would, would come into existence where it's not previously existing, where, where people find new and, and renewed life in Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, if you remember this verse, he says, I come that they may have what? Come that they may have life. And he's here, he's in the business of, of giving new life. And we want to be this new life giving church that, that sprouts, that spreads deep roots, that then blossoms. And then as any healthy plant does, it, after it, it, it sprouts and, and spreads roots and, and blossoms, then it begins to scatter seeds. And as its seeds scatter, what happens? More new life begins to sprout, spread root, and blossom. And what we'll see in time, our prayer, is that we'll have this spiritual ecosystem start to to take place here in in boston as other churches sprout and and take root and and blossom and and scatter seeds and it will happen over and over and over and over and over again and that is the dream i mean that's the dream of our hearts that we would grow to be strong and healthy and established and rooted and, and lasting stable church but then in turn we would be able to plant other strong lasting established rooted church in impacting not just Boston but all of New England and our country and into the uttermost parts of the world. But we need to know that it starts with seed. It starts with us saying, yes, God, I want to be used of you to be the one who, who scatters the seeds here in this area. And this, this language that we're hearing that I, I'm already referring to because it's just so ingrained in our Christian vernacular, this language of seed and soil and planting was first laid out by Jesus in the Gospels. You know the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So if you want to turn to the one we're going to look at today, this is the book of Luke, chapter 8. Luke, chapter 8, and if you grabbed a Bible on the way in and you needed to use one of our Bibles, if you don't have one of your very own, uh, just consider that one our gift to you. You can have that and take it and break that bad boy in that would make us really happy but Luke chapter 8 verse 4 now this parable is also recorded in in the book of Matthew chapter 13 it's also recorded in in Mark chapter 4 and Matthew Mark and Luke where we're looking today are are referred to as the synoptic gospels they're synoptic gospels because they record much of the same info they they overlap and seem to share a lot of info. And just kind of a little tangent, if I can, to help you out with your understanding of Scripture. The Synoptic Gospels, I, I guess you could kind of compare those to like ABC, NBC, and, 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 and CBS. They're all very similar in, in, in how they function and the, the types of information they, they give to us. If you, if you notice the, the, the structure of how those news stations work when they come on with your, with your, your 11 o'clock news or if you watch the 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. news, you notice they, they come on with the breaking news, then they give you all the info, and at the end, they, they end the story with, like, you know, the Boston Fire Department rescued a cat out of the tree in Jamaica Plain, you know, and they'll try to give you, like, a nice fluffy story to go with. But they're all very, very similar in how they function and what time they're, 
their, their newscasts are on, and, and that's kind of how they function. And that would be Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Very similar, share a lot of the same sources for where they get their information. And then you have Fox, right? And Fox is the oddball. They're way different, and the way they function is way different. They're always on the, the odd hour, which some of us really like, and that's very helpful. And they like to be a little more creative in how they do their news. And that's kind of like the Gospel of John, where John is not so concerned with giving you the, the chronological details of the life of Jesus, but, but John is really concerned with giving you the theme of, of the gospel. You need Jesus. You need to place faith in Jesus. And so John's, John's a little bit different when it comes to the four gospels. But today, we're looking at Luke chapter 8. And so that's just a little tangent. Hopefully that's helpful for you in understanding. But Luke chapter 8, and again, it's recorded in Matthew and in Mark. But this is one of Jesus' first recorded parables. It's one of his first ones. And, and Jesus' parables were these kind of narrative analogies, these stories that Jesus would tell to teach a spiritual or, or a moral lesson. So let's read this parable if we can. Luke chapter 8 verses 4 through 8 for starters here. It says, and when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it and some fell on the rock And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorn grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears, let him hear. So we see this this farming and, and, and seed sowing kind of talk here for the first time really introduced in Scripture to prove uh, a point and to teach spiritual moral lessons. And, and this was their culture. This was really, really familiar to, to them. And, and what we would call this is contextualization. They're doing something, he's doing something called contextualization of the gospel, where Jesus is not changing the gospel, but he's putting the gospel message, which is the good news message of Jesus and what he was all about, He's, he's not changing it, but he's putting it in, in a language, in, in a, a cultural context of his hearers. And, and this image of farming and, and seed and soil and weeds and root and fruit and crop and harvest as we're going to continue on and, and it, you'll see later on in, in the book of, of Luke. That was their culture. And because it was their culture and they understood it well, Jesus says, well, I, I'm going to use it. And, and for far too many Christians, they're, they're, they're just afraid of the culture. They, they run from the culture. And what happens is you see Christians becoming separatists and, 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 and kind of trying to hide in a corner somewhere. And, and, and we can't be afraid to be in the culture. We can't compromise while we're in the culture. But we can't be afraid to be in the culture. We, we need to be in the culture. But I think far too many Christians are standing on the steps of their church and they're screaming at other people and they're afraid like it's like the the concrete below the step of their church it's like hot lava or something they're afraid to get off and they just want to scream at people from the steps of their church when i think jesus's example here not just in in his 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 words but also in how he lived his life it was be in the culture. Look at the kinds of people Jesus hung out with. I mean, he hung out with the people where all the religious folk were looking at him and like, what are you doing? And he says, I'm here for, I'm here for them. And so Jesus was in the culture. We need to be in the culture. And we need to change the culture from the, the inside out, redeeming it. So that means at work. 
That means whether it be in, in family, and in family gatherings. It, it could have been us yesterday. That was us yesterday when we went into the projects and served in the projects and we partied with them in the projects. It was just a wonderful time. We're in the culture. Jesus was in the culture and he spoke through cultural norms. And so Jesus gives this parable. And, and as we see, as I said, it's, in, it's also in Matthew and Mark, this parable recorded. In Matthew and Mark, we see that Jesus is, is teaching this by the Sea of, of Galilee. And local tradition tells us that he's in, when he's teaching this, in what's called the, the Cove of the Parable. So just kind of imagine him teaching at this, this little cove. And it's this crescent-shaped cove. And, 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 and Jesus hops in, Matthew and Mark say, into this little boat. And he sits down in this boat and while other people stood on, on the beach. And just a couple fun things just to kind of check out as a tangent. Their, their arrangement was completely opposite of what we're doing here. If you read the scriptures closely in Matthew and Mark, Jesus sits down as he's teaching, which was the posture of, of teachers in that day. Jesus sits down while everybody else is standing on the beach. So maybe we should just try that the rest of our time. That might keep us, uh, keep us lively as you lock your knees and you pass out and people start dropping. It'd be great. But their arrangement was a little bit different. That's just, that just shows how powerful of a teacher he was. People were stunned at what he what he he taught and what he had to say. So here's the parable according to uh, what we just read. It says there's a sower and the sower goes out and he he's planting seeds and it says that the seeds fall on, on four different types of of soil. First of all, there's the the soil of of a dirt path and it says the the seed lands on the dirt path and birds come and snatch it. The other kind of soil is is this rocky soil and it says that. Some, some plants took root, but they didn't grow up very strongly because uh, the, there was no moisture that was kept there, and so they, they withered away. It says the seed also fell among thorns, and the seed grew up, and it also grew up with the thorns, and the thorns choked it out. And then we see that there's the good soil, and it grew up in the good soil, some of the seed, and it produced a hundredfold re- return. And here's what it says after that. This is interesting. It says from here, it says, Jesus called out, which means... He's making a major point. You need to hear this. And what he calls out, he says this. He says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, he's saying, some of you are not going to get this. Others of you, you're going to hear this. and You need to listen up. And so then he explains it a little further because that's a little bit confusing, right? Let's, let's read on. Look at verses 9 and 10 just so we can understand what he's talking about. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 9, it says, And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, so they pull him aside and say, Okay, Jesus, what, what's this all about? He said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. So this is, uh, this is important for us to see. So sometime later, we're not sure when, but sometime later, his disciples said, Jesus, what, what was that all about? Jesus, what were you, what were you saying with that, that parable? And Jesus says, well, for you and, and for others, God has enabled you to, to understand. He's enabled you to, to really get the truths of, of the kingdom of God. But for others, well, not so much. For others, they're, they're not responding they're, they're not really following me with all their heart. They like my miracles, but their hearts, I know their hearts are just not going to submit to us. And, and, and some of us, we, we, we could worship, and maybe some of us even in this room, maybe we're worshiping 
the miracles of Jesus and we're worshiping the, the things that Jesus can, can give us, but we're not actually worshiping Jesus. I want you to chew on that for a second. It's possible to worship the miracles of Jesus and what Jesus can do for us, but not actually worship Jesus. And some of the people, like, like most of the disciples, were, were placing faith in Jesus, and they were in the process of trusting in Jesus with everything. But other people were there, and, and they, were, they were hearing it. It was passing by their ears, and, and they liked the concept of Jesus that they had seen and that they had heard about Jesus, this miracle uh, worker and this healer and this giver. But they didn't really want to submit their lives to Jesus as, as God. Look at verse 10 again. Verse 10, he says, For you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. That's to his disciples. But for the others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. So what we need to see here is that, that this, this is showing us that God is exercising grace here. His, in his perfect knowledge, here's what God understands. God understands in his perfect knowledge who will and who will not put faith in him. And so he grants grace to those people who will not place faith in him by speaking in, in parables so that they don't fully get it. And, and I want us to, to flip over, if you will, to Luke chapter 10, just to the right, and check this out. Luke chapter 10, 13, and, and 14. Luke chapter 10, 13, and, and, and 14. And, and as we're, we're flipping there, let me just help you get this, that, that he, he's, he's exercising grace and speaking in parables because the more you understand, the stricter your judgment will be for those who don't place faith in Christ. So here's, here's where that's laid out in Scripture. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have, been, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes, which is a, a, an outward symbol of repentance. But it would be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will, will you be exalted to the heavens, to heaven? Uh, you shall be brought down to Hades. So what, what I want us to see here is this is really crucial, that the judgment of Tyre and, and, and Sidon will be more bearable because they didn't see the, the mighty works of Jesus. But the judgment of, of Bethsaida and Chorazin will be stricter because Jesus' early earthly miracles were, were done around where they were and they, they saw them. And so back here in, in Luke chapter 8, Jesus is saying, listen, I, I, I speak in parables so not to, to further incriminate those people who will not respond. And, and this is hard for us to see that, that God is just and as a just God, he must judge sin. And some people really don't want to, they don't want to hear this. Because, because it, it's hard to hear this concept of judgment. But we would never, we would never commend a judge in our court system. Who, who started to let offenders go free. That would not be good. That would not be just. But our God is just, and so he must judge, and he does judge. But even while he's exercising his judgment and his justice, he's exercising compassion by speaking in a way of parable, knowing that some people aren't going to respond in faith. And so he says, I'll speak by way of parable, so as not to further incriminate those who won't turn to me. And so then Jesus moves into breaking parable down for his hungry disciples look at verse 11 verse 11 we'll read through 15 it says now jesus says the parable is this he's explaining it 
says the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. When Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. And so what we have here is Jesus explains this parable as we really kind of see three characters in in this story, three aspects of of this parable that we need to, to get and we need to understand what they represent. We see the sower, we see the seed, and, and we see the soil. So first, let's, let's look at the sower. This guy is out there and he's scattering seed, and it's pretty clear that he's throwing it anywhere and everywhere he can in hopes that, that some will grow up. And, and let me just ask you this. Think about this for a second. Will every seed that, that is scattered grow up to be a healthy plant? No, absolutely not. Not every seed that, that's scattered is, is going to grow up to be a healthy plant. In, in fact, most will not, but should that stop him from scattering the seed? No, it, should, it shouldn't stop him from scattering the seed. And that seems so obvious. But I think for, for many of us, we try to play God and we try to predict the outcome of, of the seed. And we say, well, they're not going to hear it. They're, gonna, they're, they're, you know, they're hard-hearted, so now I won't even scatter the seed over there. No, I know my, my brother too well. I know it's not going to work for him. I know my sister, my, my aunt, maybe it's your mother, your father. Your, your, no, I know them. They're not, and we try to play God and we predict, but it doesn't stop the sower. He's scattering the seed all over the place. I mean, he is scattering and we can't. Let's try to, to predict the, the soil and how it's going to grow up. I love in, in Acts chapter 17, this is uh, just a great chapter where Paul's in Athens. He's before the Areopagus. He's got this great opportunity to, to share the gospel and to speak before these uh, philosophical men. And he's, he's speaking there. And the chapter ends with, with this. It says some, it's talking about the response of the people. It says some mocked him. Others said, we'll, we'll hear later concerning this, but... Some joined him and believed. And so we see all these different responses to Paul's message. He didn't stop him, though. He didn't say, eh, only a few are, are going to believe, so it's just a waste of time. No, he says it's worth it because some will believe. And, and, and this is important for us to get that we can't try to play God and predict what's going to be the response of the person that we share the, the gospel with. And, and what does the, the sower represent? Think about this. What, what does the sower represent? In some ways, it, it seems obvious to us, and maybe in other ways, it does not. But what I want you to know is, notice in Jesus' explanation here, verse 11 on, of, of this parable, is that of all three of the little characters or characteristics of this, this, this parable, this is the one that Jesus doesn't explain. He doesn't explain the, the, the sower. And, and maybe it's because it's obvious. Maybe it's, it's, it's obvious. Jesus is the sower. But I think for, for so many of us, we like to take credit. I'm the sower. I'm the sower. I'm the sower. And, and Jesus, it's pretty clear here. Jesus is the sower. He gets the credit. He's the one who did the work. He's the one who laid his life down. He's, he's the sower, and he, he did the work. Now, don't get me wrong. We also sow, but we're following the example of Christ in the initial sowing 
of, of Christ, but ultimately he's the sower and he's sowing through us. And so if you need to continue the parable and get like a little picture in here, maybe we're the, maybe we're the glove, right? But Jesus is the hand and he's, he's doing the, the sowing. Ultimately he sows through us, but he's doing the, the sowing. But we need to know he doesn't need us. And that changes our perspective on things. If We really get that. He doesn't need us. It shows us that it's a privilege it's a privilege to be used of God, but he doesn't need us. Let's go back to Acts chapter 17 if we can. While, while Paul is speaking to the Areopagus in Athens and he's, he's sharing the gospel message, one thing that always stands out to me is he says, our God is not served by human hands as though he needed anything. So God doesn't need anything. He doesn't need us to sow. He could just... He could just implant seeds in our heart and it would grow. He doesn't need us. He allows us to. We get to. We get to be a part of what he's doing. How about 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 6 and 7? Later on, Paul uses the, the language of, of Jesus here, uh, this, this planting uh, language, this, this, uh, this image here. In, in 1 Corinthians 3, 6 and 7, Paul says this. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Using the same language here, he goes on. So neither the one who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. It's important. God does not need us. He doesn't need us, but he invites us to join him and to be on his mission and and to be the the hands that that he's using and he's sowing with. And and so that's, that's the sower. And if you're in here this morning and you call yourself a Christian, let that just be a challenge to you. Not to, to go and sow seed out of obligation, but to, to be used of God to sow seed out of a privilege. I mean, this is an incredible opportunity that you're going to be able to see the power of, of God flowing through you, that he's the sower and he often sows through us. Sometimes he does it just completely without another person sharing. Just somebody, I, I've heard stories of people saying, man, I just, I don't know what it was. I had nothing to do with the Lord. I didn't care about the Lord. And one day I was just challenged to read the Bible. I did it. He doesn't need us, but, but oftentimes he uses us. Next is, is the seed. Now the seed, it says, is, is God's word, which we would call the, the gospel message. And it's not all that, that complicated. It's, it's simple. The implications of the gospel run deep. But, but the, the, the gospel message in and of itself is, is simple. And here's, here's the message, that God saw us in our dying state. We're dying because of, of our sin. He saw us and he says, they can't do this without me. I'm the only option. I'm the only hope for them. So he sends his son Jesus into human history to establish his kingdom, to become one of us, and to restore mankind and to restore the world. And then Jesus, in, in this process, lovingly died and, and powerfully resurrected. And, and through Jesus and faith in Jesus, we can gain Life, not by our work, but by his work and by the grace that he, he grants to us. That's, that's the gospel message. And we've been given this, this powerful resource of the seed of, of the gospel message. In, in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation to everyone who believes. And so, so know this, a person responding to the, the message of Jesus is, is not dependent on you, not dependent on how well you articulate it. It's dependent on, on the message and, and the person who created that hopeful message of the gospel, Jesus Christ himself. And I, I mean, I just think about it, man. God made it grow. Paul said it. God 
made it grow. I planted, Apollos watered, but God made it grow. It's his seed. He, it's his seed. I mean, he, he lets us do the work and, and, and be a part of what he's doing, but, but he makes it grow. It's just this wonderful picture. And as I think about that seed, again, it's just, it's just incredible to think about the power of a little seed, just a tiny little seed. I mean, just think about maybe some of you have been out there and you've seen the, the redwood trees and just how massive they grow and how tall they are. It's, in, it's incredible, the, the potential of one little seed to become that. God makes it grow, and, and the power of the gospel message is it, it's the potential of the life uh, change that it could instill in all of us is incredible. I heard of one, one, one redwood that grows 30, or grew up to 35 stories high, 22 feet wide, it's a cool picture for us of the power of, of the gospel. And, and another thing I want you to think about is this gospel message that is a seed, it's, it's, it's not a limited resource, is it? Seeds are not limited resources. The more seeds you plant, the more vegetation grows up that would then produce more seeds. And in the same way, the gospel is not limited. It's not limited. As we share the gospel, it just, it's limitless. The, the, the potential and the power of the gospel uh, it's not limited at all. It's incredible. And so be diligent in scattering seed wherever you go because it's a privilege. And the last major piece of the parable I want us to look at is the soils. And this is really the thrust of this whole parable, the soils. And, and Jesus gives us four different types of soil and, 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 and tells us about them. And, and these four different types of soil represent the different types of people maybe you'll be sharing the gospel with in your life. It represents four different heart characteristics. It represents four different states of the soul. And so let's, let's check these out and let's look at each of these and how, how Jesus explains them. First, the first one is, is the hard, the hard soil, the hard, hard person. Look at, look at verse 12 again. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and, and be saved. And so this soil, some hearts, is hard. And, and rejecting, and some soil is hard, packed down tight, and rejecting of the seed, and the seed doesn't really ever penetrate. When I was in high school, I was a cross-country runner, and uh, so yeah, just go ahead and laugh at the, the image of me, and the short shorts, and the pasty white legs, and I was a cross-country runner, and uh, three times a week in the summer, we would go to this state park with the team, and we would run, and this state park was really cool. A lot of Civil War battles were fought there, really historical, and You'd be running through the, through the woods for a while, and then every now and again, you'd, you'd come out of the woods into these massive grassy fields where it's known that, that the battles, many battles of the Civil War were in and around the Atlanta area. And, and as you're going, you, you'll see these just these narrow little trails, tall grass and these narrow little trails where, where runners and, and people who were hiking had, had walked for, for years and years and years and packed it down so that it's, it's just really tight, packed, hard soil, and there's no grass growing there. The soil is just so packed, seeds will never penetrate. And so it, as, as people run by, if there were any seeds that fall on it, just is pushed to the side. Birds maybe come and snatch it up, as, as Jesus said. In the same way, that's, that's the state of some people's hearts. Their hearts are just hard, and, and they, they will not be penetrated by the gospel. Not that God can't, it's just the truth that, that, that they're not going to they're not going to receive the gospel. And so that is some people. And maybe you, you're thinking of some of those people and you know some of those people. Again, don't try to predict. That doesn't stop us. That didn't stop the sower from scattering the seed. But that will be the state of some people's heart. As Jesus says, here's the next one. The shallow. Look at, look at verse 13. 
And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with full joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, fall away. So, this is the shallow. The shallow soil, the shallow person. Where some soil is going to be fairly shallow. Maybe underneath it's got rock, it's got ledge, it's got maybe a lot of rock mixed into the soil. Um, but there's a little bit of soil, but underneath it's, it's just a lot of rock. And what happens is the seed is planted, and it's, it's able to, to grow just a little bit, but very quickly it, it begins to wither away because it just, the, there's rock under there. It can't hold a lot of moisture, and so the, the plant withers away. And at the first sign of trouble, it, it withers or it, it gets uprooted or it's blown away, and it just doesn't, doesn't make it. And, and maybe you've seen this. In, in your, your life, maybe you've seen it in other people's lives uh, over and over and over again. I, I've definitely seen it where a person responds to Jesus and they're excited about Jesus. And they're like, yeah, man, I want Jesus. And, and they're, they, they're going, they're fast and they're growing and it's exciting. But it doesn't take much of anything, whether it be a trial in life. Maybe it's something else that catches their attention and they're, they're gone. And they, they're never to come back, which means they never truly were a follower of Jesus. Because true Christians will have faith that will last. It will last and they will grow deep roots and they will, they will, they will remain and they will persevere as, as Scripture talks about. And this happens so often. And, and for us, my challenge, just to be certain that that's not us, for us the challenge is to grow deep roots, to go strong with the gospel and to, to live out the gospel and, and to get connected here in the life of the church and with other Christians so that you can grow and you can have roots that go deep in, in your walk. With, with the Lord, and so you must take that initiative because as young, shallow believers, there's, there's high risk. There, there's high risk, and, and so we must lay down deep roots. Here's the next one. Look at verse 14. This is the, the preoccupied. Look at verse 14. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked out by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. This would be what I'd call the, the preoccupy. See, some soil is, is covered in thorns. And maybe it's not rocky down below. Maybe it has plenty of moisture. And the thorns can grow up. And the seed falls among the thorns. And as the seed grows up, the thorns also grow up. And they just overpower it and, and choke it out. And, and that happens a lot of times. Maybe you've seen somebody who you shared the gospel message with them. And, and they're wrestling because they have all these other things in their lives that... That, that are maybe a little more attractive to them at that point in their lives. And, and what happens is, is though the gospel may start to grow fast, it just doesn't, doesn't grow tall and strong. And, and what happens is it's just choked out, as Jesus says, by, by the cares, riches, pleasures of the world. And I, I love how he uses riches because that's so common, right? And money so often is, is attractive to people and they run after, after making more money and maybe being successful in, in, in different ways, and, and it just chokes out the gospel message and its power in, in their lives because people are too preoccupied with the pleasures of, of this life. And, and they, 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 they had the seed, it, it, it started to grow, but the Bible makes it really clear you can't serve two masters. You just can't serve two masters. And so that's some types of people in their hearts. But fortunately, we have this last kind, the responsive. Look at verse verse 15 as for that in the good soil they are those who hear and hearing the word hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit 
with, with patience. So if some soil is good, some soil is in the right condition to spring up a, a healthy plant, and, and that result of a healthy plant is it grows and it bears fruit, it blossoms and it, it bears fruit. And in the same way, some people, they're ready, their hearts are in the right place to hear the message of Jesus, to respond properly to the message of Jesus, and not just to grow fast and then wither away, not just to grow fast and be choked out, but to grow and to continue to grow and to spread roots, and they prove to be true Christians and they last. Galatians chapter 5 lists out for us the, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are some of the fruits that a true Christian will will display and will continue to display. And Jesus, I love this, he says that it yielded 100-fold, yielded 100-fold. And that 100-fold image in Scripture is really uh, an image of blessing. God blesses this and it grows and it takes off. And then it begins to scatter seed and, and begins to grow up other, other life-giving plants. And so I, hopefully, hopefully we get these and maybe they resonate with us with some people that we've, we've seen and we know, but we have the hard we have the shallow, we have the preoccupied, and we have the responsive. Now, I want us to think as we round third base here, I want us to think about what, what can we control? Because in all of this language, it's, it's, maybe it's a little bit confusing about what, what, do, what do we do then? You know, these are the conditions of other people's hearts. It's, it's Jesus doing the sowing through us. It's his seed. It's his seed that has the power. What, what do we control? What, what do we control? I think we can only control the, the sowing. We can only be the ones sowing and just allowing and being open to the power of, of, of Jesus flowing through us. We can be open to that. We can't really control anything else. We can't, we can't change anybody's heart. Only God can, can change a heart. We just have to be faithful to, to sow. We have to be faithful to sow. Remember, you're, you're not God. You're not the Holy Spirit. The Bible makes it really clear in, in John 16, verse 8, that, that the Holy Spirit, He will convict the world concerning sin and judgment. He does that. So we can't control the soil, but we can be the ones who are faithful to, to share the gospel and to spread the seed and to allow that message of Jesus just to flow out and through us. But as a good sower who sows seed, we have to get down and we have to get close to the dirt. We have to get on our knees and, and get close to the dirt and, and, and have to be willing to get dirty. I want you to hear that. We have to be willing to get dirty. And I think dirty for us looks like this. We're getting close to the soil, which means we get down in this posture and we're on our knees and we're constantly praying that God would work and serve and, and minister to the hearts of people and prepare the soil because we can't control it, but we're praying and pleading with God that he would. And this is a posture of a planter. We're down on our knees and we're sowing. And we're willing to get dirty, meaning we're willing to get in there with the soil and, and be the person through which God uses to, to, to loosen the soil, to pull the weeds, to pull the rocks. We have to be, be willing to do that, that we're, we're praying and we're in there in the lives of people and and we're we're helping them to have that greater potential to be responsive but again ultimately it's God doing that that through us and and a good sower sows seed but he also works to to help cultivate the soil and I pray that God would would do that through us and and what we're going to do moving forward in this series is we're going to now that we have this image in our heads of seed and soil and 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 this idea of sowing 
we're going to move forward in this series looking at some of the methods of Jesus as, as he sowed. And how, how did he sow soil? What, what did he do? And by default, we're going to see what the seed looks like. We're going to understand the gospel better as we just talk about the methods of Jesus as, as he sowed. And, and so I want us to really learn how did he sow? How did he get in there? How did he get dirty with people and, 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 and be right in there in their lives planting seed and cultivating soil? I want to see that, and I think that'll be really good and helpful for us throughout the remainder of our summer as we go through this concept of, of sowing and being the hands that Jesus uses to sow the seed. And so as we leave, I want to invite you to, to, first of all, check your heart, and first of all, think about yourself as soil. I think we all want to instantly say we're the good soil, we're the responsive soil. The truth is, maybe we're not right now. And so I want you to check your heart and, and see which one that describes you. And then next, I want you to see yourself as the hands through which Jesus sows and as a planter. And, 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 and if this thing here is, is going to take off and, and grow, and, and if this thing here is going to move from a, a sapling to a strong church to, a, to a, a spiritual ecosystem, this has to really transition from uh, Josh and Becky and original core team planting a church to we are all church planters together and 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 that i am a part of of what god's doing here in boston i'm serving and and i'm willing to get dirty i'm willing to sow i'm will, willing to to cultivate soil i'm willing to get creative i'm willing to provide my resources whatever i can do to be on this mission i, I just pray that that will happen and so i just i as as we kind of end today i just want to ask you to check your heart in terms of where you at as a the soil and check your heart's in terms of where you're at as a person who God is using to, to sow seed. And it's exciting. We're in, a, we're in a, an exciting time in, in, in our history, especially here in New England. I mean, Boston is the buzz across the whole country right now, by the way. I mean, New England and Boston specifically, it's the buzz. They're, they're saying God is doing some incredible things here. We're on the verge of just some incredible things that God's up to. And so you're able to be in a place where God is, is moving, but people also are excited and and concerned about Boston and talking Boston because they also know that Boston is a really, really difficult place. And, and so I want to encourage you in that. Do not be discouraged. This is not a desk job. This is planting and sowing, which is a dirty job where you're on your knees and it's, it's difficult and it's grueling and you come back dirty. And, and I want us to just bear that in mind and be prepared and, and maybe in the know a little bit as to what we're, we're getting ourselves into. And so don't be discouraged. Press on. Know that you're, you're in a place where God's moving and, and that you're willing to be one through which uh, God would, would move. And so let's, just, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer now if we can. And I just want to, uh, as, as you guys are closing your eyes, I'm going to invite you to join me to, to, to pray over this, this mission that God has put before us. But I, I also want to just have you be challenged here. First of all, what kind of soil are you? Just reflect on that for a second, if you would. What kind of soil are you? Are you hard? Rejecting? Are you shallow? If you were to forecast your future, maybe only take one difficult life circumstance and you're out of here. You need to grow deeper roots. Maybe you're, you're preoccupied and you're starting to see the thorns in your life 
choking you out. Whether it be other things that you're, you're excited about, maybe more than Christ. Whether it be wealth, maybe it's pleasures and pursuits of this world. Or are you the good soil? And if you are the good soil, you're going to grow and you're going to have roots and you're going to be strong in the Lord, which means you're now on mission with Him and you're going to be the one who is, is the, the one that, that, that God uses to scatter more seed. It's incredible. But with that, where's your attitude? Is your attitude, so what, whatever? I know what I've been told to do, but I'm just not doing it. And obviously, we're not going to blatantly say that. But maybe the way you live your life, it's just, eh, so what, God? And I pray that our, our attitudes would transition from so what to so, S-O-W, as in seed scattering. What? God, what? How are we going to do this? How can I be on your mission? What is the gospel? Do I understand it? How are you going to use me? Let me pray.